gonna happen next to no can keep my eyes closed, man. It's cool. Put the way for my identity. Put the way that I belong to an entity. I don't know when I'm gonna go wrong. Wanna try me? But you only got hate. Only interested in my fate and insecurity. It's not my way. And interference does them away. Let there be light in the dark night. Gotta get it back. It's time I get it back. I wanna bring it back to the good old days. Hello and welcome to episode 254 of Retro Encounter. I am your host today, Zach Wilkerson. There's no mic with us, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I am joined by three other panelists and starting with Alana Higgs. Hi everyone! And Joe Padilla. Good afternoon. And Leona McCallum. Hello! <laughs> you can't see it, but I'm dabbing. <laughs> well... well. <laughs> And we are here today to talk about Persona 2, uh, Innocent Sin, that PSP or originally PS1 RPG that we never got originally, um, that made mm. Eternal Punishment very confusing for some people, I hear, um, although I haven't played Eternal <laughs> Punishment yet. Um, and uh, I think we're all playing the PSP version, I'm sure, because um, that was the one that was localized into English. Yes. Um, but before we really dive into Persona 2, and I know that some of you have already heard Alana's uh, history of Persona, because I just listened to the uh, Persona music episode, which was amazing. If you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. Oh, man, it was so good. Uh, but I want to kind of talk a little bit about our history with Persona and SMT in general. Um, and those of you who don't know, uh, Persona is a spinoff of Shin Megami Tensei originally. Um, so I guess we'll start with you, Alana, even though I know I literally just heard your history <laughs> with this series. All right. Well, I'll try and be brief then. So uh, I started, tried Persona 3 back when it first came out, FES, and bounced off of it. And then I watched the teaser for Persona 5 around 2014 and was like, oh, this is the coolest thing ever, and then bought a PS Vita and Persona 4 Golden, and that's kind of how it started off. And I kind of have a love-hate relationship with this series. Like, there's so much I love about these games, Mm. and if anyone's a regular to RPG Fan Podcast, they know in particular 2020, I've had a bit of a rag on Atlas for this series. (laughs) Um, uh, So... I like I I try so hard to love them and I play them and I'm like yeah there's so many good things about them and then then things happen and you get time to reflect and something stands out to you that's particularly not great and I'm like ugh but like Persona 2 has always kind of sat there like I really have always wanted to play it because you know Strange Outsider is like oh this is apparently the good one you know the one that's good with representation the one that's mm. got a really good story the one that's inclusive and I'm like yeah okay and I'm like mm, kind of is but yeah I mean I've never played Persona 2 because we didn't get Innocent Sin or Eternal Punishment at all <laughs> so right. I don't think Europe got Persona until 3 I want to say and it might have only have been F- FES as well so yeah so we were a little bit behind anyway. Uh, but yeah, I was relatively late getting into the series and love and hate it. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, in, I'm enjoying Persona 2 Innocent Sin, though, more than I think I was expecting Yay. to. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, we didn't mention this up front, but Persona 2 is very different. Um, I mean, I've only played Persona 4 and 5 personally, um, and I guess I'll talk about it now. But like, I, I didn't play a Persona game until... Uh, I played Persona 5 when I first bought a PS4. That was one of the two reasons that I bought a PS4 that and Nier Automata. Um, and uh, Persona 5 it kind of blew me away with its style and its panache. 
And then I went back and I played Persona 4, um, and I think I played it too close to Persona 5, and I didn't like it quite as much um, as I liked Persona 5 at the time, even though I don't think that's a popular opinion. Um, mm. But um, I, I've been excited to go back. I've wanted to play 3 for a long time, and certainly 2. And, and I've heard the same things as you, Alana. Like, I've heard that mm-hmm. Persona 2 really is the one that like gets the story right, and like it does things right, and it's not like... Uh, I feel like on message boards, and I should never be on message boards ever. Uh, <laughs> no like one should. Thing, yeah, yeah like, everyone should stay off of them. Like, but like Persona Four gets like, being accused of being like a a kitty game, and Persona Five had some real <laughs> translation issues, I thought, um, and, and some real representation issues as well. Um, they're even worse in Four, I think. Um, and, and my experience with Two so far has been has been pretty solid uh, in terms of that, in terms of representation, and in terms of it feeling like it's for adults but um that's it i haven't played three i haven't played i've played a little bit of one like when it came out and i bounced off it so hard um i don't think i hate it as much as mike because i don't think i spent as much time with it as mike but um uh yeah that, that that's my history with it what about you leona um well i hadn't even heard of persona until persona 4 came out and i think i was around 17 18 and i had just moved to ireland and i was very homesick and very depressed and uh, I didn't I wasn't even leaving bed that much but I went to the game store and I got Persona 3 FES and I got Persona 4 and then I just sat on my bed and played them and they got me through a really rough period of homesickness while I lived in Ireland so I really did like fall in love with the series for helping me get through that uh upon you know and now that I've 10 years later uh Looking back on them, there's definitely some rough spots, but I still love Persona, I think. And Persona 5, I think, is great, apart from the representation issues. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, I thought the combat was great. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, in, in some of the translation issues didn't really stick out to me until it was pointed out to me later. And <laughs> yeah, uh, I saw some of the changes in Royal, which I have not played yet. Mm-hmm. Um, no. But uh, Joe, uh, what about you? What are your What's your history with Persona and SMT in general? So, if people have listened to the Persona 4 Killer episode, um, I kind of briefly outlined my history with Persona there. Um, but basically, I went, like, my first week in college, I went to an anime club meeting because, of course, I did. And they showed <laughs> this, and they showed, like, the first part of uh, the first Persona 3 movie. And I was like, what is Persona? I've, I've never heard of this before. <laughs> um, and then, so I watched all those movies, and then a while later, I got Persona 4 for PS2, played through about half of it, but then college got in the way, studies, student teaching, ugh. And uh, then, so I left it, I came back and uh, picked up Persona 4 um, this past winter, uh, hopped off of it because of, uh, what's his name, uh, Wind Guy. Um, oh, oh, God. Yosuke. Oh, wow, I've- Thank you. I punished him from my memory for very specific Yosuke. reason. Yeah, Yosuke. Oh my god, I I really couldn't stand him with just a lot of his stuff, so I bounced off it. Then the summer, I got back on and finished it. Really liked it uh, for the most part, and I've never played any uh, Shin Megami Tensei game. Um, so it's I'm a bit uh, I'm a bit newer to the Persona series in some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, yeah, the only... I haven't played any SMT games either, and I think that Demon Negotiation in particular, um, which um, Persona 5 has, which is great, um, but Persona 4 I, uh, does not. 
um, really, I, I think adds like a nice wrinkle to it. Um, I'm really bad at it, I think. Um, so you, yeah. <laughs> um, so um, I, I guess I'll back up here for a second. Um, so Persona Two, um, so Persona Two: Innocent Sin is the prequel to Eternal Punishment, um, and I won't talk too much about. Um, how Eternal Punishment comes to be, because spoiler reasons, we can talk about those next time. Um, and even though I haven't finished this game yet, I'm right where we were supposed to be. Um, but Persona 2 Innocent Sin uh, takes place uh, three years after Persona 1, and if you haven't played Persona 1, and again, I, I've played Persona 1 a little bit of it, and don't. Um, it's it's not no, good. Don't. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it, it's not. Uh, I feel like the Retro Encounter is just like the Persona One Hate podcast. <laughs> it comes up like once every it's, three episodes. It's going to get on a public. Po- it's going to get up on a public poll at some point. It's going to win the same way Kingdom Hearts did a few years yeah. ago. You know, <laughs> that's a great idea. Actually, I feel like I should do that just to mess with Mike. I, I, I almost nominated Beyond the Beyond last time just because I thought that would be amusing. <laughs> <laughs> and I think Persona One is actually even more amusing. <laughs> I have to get him to promise to be on it first though <laughs> and that's how zach um, never hosted another podcast <laughs> <laughs> that's true um so it takes place three years after persona one and i even as a person who only played maybe like two hours of persona one i don't get all the references but apparently there are a lot of uh characters from persona one who are also mm-hmm. in persona two um and it yeah. takes place in uh Sumaru city um and the thing that's strange uh, in Sumaru City is that um, anytime there is a rumor, um, that rumor, if it spreads far enough and enough people talk about it, it becomes true. Um, and it actually becomes a game mechanic later in the game where you can um, spread rumors about, like, I don't know, uh, weapon shops or armor shops and, you know, which whichever one opens up to, uh, determines you know how good the, the the weapons will be how good the armor will be um you know the the it, it, you can do a lot of different things with rumors and rumors are really important in this game mm-hmm. not only from a plot perspective but also from a mechanics perspective um but the game opens in um it's called seven sisters high am i remember remembering yes. that correctly yep mm-hmm. yeah um and i gotta be honest with you uh you know as soon as i start playing this game i'm like what is this why are people wearing bandanas around their head like, i'm very <laughs> confused by all of this and there's some rumor going around that like your face can get messed up because of the emblem yeah. at seven sisters high right. i'm like what is this david lynch nonsense <laughs> right yeah like it does throw you straight into it doesn't it like there's not a lot of context to it you just kind of expect it to pick up and run with everything and mm-hmm. that's really interesting because persona 3 4 and 5 may like go out of their way to ease you into the world into the school system and into the persona system as well but actually many of the characters in persona 2 already have their personas like yeah. we were talking about persona one um one of your party members who you get pretty early on yukino mayazumi or yuki as she's like colloquially known as um she is a playable character from persona one as well oh, so she's yeah, already cool. really well versed in it and maya as well has her persona um and Akichi, who is another early per- party member he gets his persona before the game as well it's only lisa and Tatsuya kind of get their persona during the events of the game so yeah like it's a lot to take in in like half an hour suddenly you're just like rumors come true and you're like wait what like so masks messed you up and the joker game what's the joker game like everything's yeah it's pretty overwhelming it's definitely one of those things sorry it's definitely one of those things where if you play like persona 3 4 and 5 and it's harder i think to go back to 2 and the, the, the persona sort of thing is just taking it in its stride. Like, no one questions it. 
like it's just common knowledge, like amongst a lot of people in the city, that yeah, magic's real. Yeah, persuasion exists. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's just like yeah, what of it? Like, if I ring my own phone number, this person in a jester's hat will come and tell me something. Exactly. Like, wait, my wishes come true. Even even though this you know this game came before Persona Four, having played Persona Four a couple of months ago and then playing this, it kind of felt like if. I were to go to Atlas and say, I like Persona 4, but the ending was, or the beginning was a bit slow. Like, could, could we make it a bit faster? And then they're like, oh, do you want Turbo? Because you're getting Turbo. Like, and that's, and, and that's how it, it felt like whiplash a bit going into it. Because I was, I was in this place of, oh, okay, things are already in motion. The Personas, they're there. Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting because, like, I felt like I was watching, like, I don't know, like a French movie. And I was talking to Leona about France before we started. But um, uh, I, I feel like uh, I feel like a lot of, like, older French movies, like, uh, and a lot of European movies in general, like, will just, like, drop us into the middle of something and just, like, expect us to figure it out. Yeah. And that was the way that I felt here. Um, and, like, I was able to figure it out. Like, and the confusion was purposeful. Um, like, I think you're supposed to feel on edge like a little bit like what Mm -hmm. is happening here why why are people's faces getting messed up again um and it's because like there must have been some rumors and actually we know that there's some rumors spread by someone at a rival high school Mm -hmm. uh, that there's a problem with the emblem (laughs) at seven sisters high um and it creates like these issues with their faces if i'm understanding correctly and there is a strong possibility i am not is that accurate? You're yes. you're correct. Yeah. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Okay. Good. I really I really love this like out of everything in this game so far, the thing I love most is kind of this thematic centerpiece of rumors mm-hmm. and the degree of control that you can exert over it. Where it's like there are some things where um it's it, we'll go more into how this rumor system works, but there's a, a weapon shop and you find someone who says a rumor like, "Hey, uh I hear that uh, they've got really good prices, but the, the quality's really low. And it's like, okay, that, that's, a, that's, that's a pretty simple rumor, sure. But then the rumors that are out of your control and that are controlled within this broader narrative are much more... Um, they're, they're, they work on uh, a much higher macro scale and they're so completely out of your control where they have a great effect on the world around you. And I felt like that was a a very interesting uh, piece to work with, especially when where we are right now in in the world and how uh, one person's platform suddenly balloons (laughs) because of how they're, um, because of how they're essentially untruths and lies and everything can uh, perpetuate. You know, it can be, a small time person on Twitter who makes up some sort of conspiracy and then we think that kids are being sold in cabinets. Um, or it can be someone already in a position of power and in, in this game suddenly this, a blimp can fly. Sure, why not? <laughs> like a, a blimp that's not supposed to fly. God, I should God probably it, say yes. that. <laughs> I'd love that blimp. That's a good blimp. <laughs> Yeah, the rumours uh, and how they interact with the main plot are so, so interesting. Because the first time I played this game, I just played it like I was playing in any other RPG. Like, the story is the story, and I kind of take it at face value. And then every replay, I get a bit more insight into how 
everything is just the matter of rumours going absolutely crazy and uh, blowing things way out of proportion to like a, a ridiculous degree and it just makes me love it every replay because you just catch uh, so much subtle uh, foreshadowing and, and, and how the, like, the seed that started the rumour that's going to bloom like in the next the, the, the second half of the game and just like change the entire mm. world it's it's so interesting and well done I think if there's one aspect of the game that I think they nailed it was the rumours yeah right and like even all the npcs because obviously Mm -hmm. um something else that's slightly different is that like the maps on the game and all the npcs are on the map so you don't talk to anybody like directly unless you're in a dungeon or something like that or in a shop um but like everybody's dialogue changes their positions move and things like that and like like you were saying like there are some early seeds planted but also it's really interesting to see how everybody reacts like um a couple of the characters there like family or npcs as well like uh tatsuya's brother katsuya mm-hmm. um please don't name your children like this why would you make them <laughs> so toss my head in um i like katsuya it's like the though. other version um, of like naming every child with the same like first consonant <laughs> <laughs> yeah pretty much um but yeah like he changes dialogue a lot because katsuya is um a detective or he's a policeman and he mm-hmm. He, Tatsuya's got a bit of a reputation of being a bad boy, and Katsuya seems to like, there seems to be a weight on Katsuya a little bit, and as things progressively get worse, you talk to him more, and he's like, what are you doing? Get inside. What are you doing out here? You better not be causing trouble and things like that, and it's like, it's really interesting to watch, like, all of the NPCs unfold as well and adapt to the situation, because a lot of the time you don't get that, and, like, a lot of the time your RPG NPCs just say the same <laughs> thing over and over again, or they change dialogue once or twice, so I I, I really, really love the rumour system. Mm-hmm. I wish I'd picked up on it sooner, because I was so confused yes. as to what was going on for, like, the first... <laughs> like, I, I, I played, like, the first five to ten hours the same way Leona played the entire... The entire like, game. Like, no, like, yeah, no and thought. I was like, when you said it, when, when you told us like oh you know you need to talk to people i was like mm-hmm. oh but yeah i i really like the way the story is delivered in that way and i think the rumor system is really really cool and i know it's i know it's an important part of eternal punishment as well but oh, yeah yeah, yeah I, I mean i think that i like um it's not even just the rumor system in general which i think is really fascinating like, i can't think of another game that allows itself to be controlled so much by what people say and i think it's interesting thematically um and like sort of a 1984 kind of way like joe was saying like um how truth becomes sort of this malleable thing um in persona 2 um like if you say it often enough it becomes true which is certainly true in a lot of like dystopian stories uh, right. and i probably said mm-hmm. it on this podcast before but I, I i'm an english teacher so I, and i teach 1984 so maybe think of that <laughs> almost immediately yeah. but um you know th- i think what you're saying uh, alana about the npcs like i think the npcs in a way um like the way their dialogue changes feels very forward thinking to me like i i yeah like uh I, in, in like some game arts games like grandia and lunar they do that but they don't do that so much in, in even PS1 games. Um, but I think that the way they do it here brings the world to life in a way that um, other games just really don't. Um, and I, it, it feels it feels like an almost like PS3, PS4 game in that way. Like that mm-hmm. the, the world feels so alive. Um, and I, I really dig that about this game. 
Right, yeah. The only other game I can think of more recently are like the Trails games, mm-hmm. and they, even then it takes mm-hmm. like 10 to 20 hours for them to actually adapt any dialogue, and it's only in certain areas, isn't it? Because you don't really get to revisit anywhere, but Samara City is quite a small area, and there's maybe 25, 30 NPCs, some name, some not, and yeah, it's just really, really interesting. I think forward thinking is a really good way of looking at it, because like, yeah, I, I, I don't know of any better example nowadays, certainly. Samarasa is just chock full of weirdos. Can we say that? Like, it really is. <laughs> Weirdo central. Absolutely. And um, what I like is that it kind of makes um, it kind of makes you feel like you're the director in some um, way. Yeah. And like all these all these different NPCs are sort of um, characters. Like there is a certain story that's set in stone by the by the designers and the writers but you kind of have this fly-by-night director path where it's uh one of the things i really loved was um the one like basically stoner kid tony who runs some sort of shop <laughs> yeah. and, and then you start a rumor a that shop. he's a that he's a smuggler for the mafia and so and um, and I took a, a screenshot of it because I thought it was so funny that you walk up to him after you start this rumor, <laughs> and the rumor is spread by the detective ag- agency, which has its own strangeness to it. Mm. Um, and he just says, I'm a smuggler for the Sicilian Mafia, but tell me, what's this thing they call a Sicilian Mafia? Anyway, you want the weapons? <laughs> and so it's like... Yes. It's oh. it's so it's so funny oh. that it, it like some of them just kind of naturally slot into their roles and like I have this tragic backstory or something <laughs> and Tony's like, dude, I'm I'm so blazed, but I I've got some weapons and uh, apparently there's this place called like uh, Sicily and uh, I work for them. Yeah, and, like I've got like some like swords and guns if you want them, like whatever, man. <laughs> oh, and now that I'm reading it. He actually pronounces it Cilician. Yes. Oh, God. Cilician. <laughs> I totally forgot. Oh, my God. That's really funny. <laughs> Amazing. So, you know, I, I like the NPCs in this game, but I think that the characters um, in a Persona game are always sort of what defines it. Um, mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, uh, sort of from the beginning here, I think the characters, at least in the first half of the game, are not nearly as well drawn as they would be in the first half of a, as I'm going to say a normal quote unquote Persona game, but like, <laughs> that's just because I have only played two of them before now. Um, but I... I I kind of want to talk about them a little bit because I feel like they're always the defining feature of this. And so we've got five um, that we sort of have here. We have our main character, Tetsuya, who is our standard, you know, silent protagonist. Um, we have Maya, who is a journalist, right? Journalist? Is yeah. that the way you would describe yeah, her? Yeah, she's, she's the best. main character she's... of Eternal Punishment as well, right? Yeah, she's the main character there. Yeah, and she's yeah. great, and she's the best character in this game by far, I think. And I cannot wait to <laughs> yep. play Eternal Punishment yep. because I know she's going to be the main character. Um, I mean, and then she is a silent protagonist in Eternal Punishment. Yeah. She's a silent uh, protagonist in Eternal yeah. Punishment? Yeah, but a, she becomes oh. the protagonist soul that makes one silent takes over her when Eternal right. Punishment starts. Oh, <laughs> that just, that pushed me off of, like, I was thinking about Eternal Punishment, that that might push me off, well, it, frankly. Well, there are, like, it's a brand new cast of characters in Eternal Punishment, so don't worry about it. There, 
They're all hinted at as well. Yeah, in this they game. all make their appearances in one way yeah. or the other. I will say though, like even though Tatsuya and I'm probably like jumping ahead because we've got other characters uh-huh. to go into and like a silent protagonist in general in the Persona games, they all have a pretty defined personality like mm-hmm. from the get go. Mm-hmm. Like Maya, like this whole game is going to establish Maya as a character, and I'm sure she won't lose any of that in Eternal Punishment. And no. I mean, the minute we all fell in love with Maya, surely was when Yuki gave her a pair guns. of guns. She was like, <laughs> "Yeah, let's go." Let's, you know. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, I think that Persona does silent protagonists better than most games because, you know, like I'm I was saying on Twitter and actually a couple of people also like chipped in on this, but some of the game's animations are really cool and I really love Tatsuya's like flicking his lighter every so often. It's like mm-hmm. you're trying to show off he's a badass, but actually he just looks kind of cute doing it and especially cuz I know I know the light where the lighter's yeah, come so from. Yeah, so just makes it more cute. Like, mm, like, yeah, anyway, other characters. Yeah, other characters. <laughs> so the other characters. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll, we'll talk more about Tetsuya in a moment. Don't you worry. Um, uh, it's Lisa. And I got to tell you, like, it's really confusing to me. Lisa Silverman, who is a classmate of Tetsuya at Seven mm-hmm. Sisters, who goes by Ginkgo. Can anyone explain to me why she's called Ginkgo? Ginkgo um, is silver. Akichi, yeah, Akichi, like, gives her that nickname early That's on, That's where that he? comes yeah, from. It's, okay. just making, yeah. it's just making fun of her name. She calls her, at least, basically calling her silver. Oh, okay, that hmm. makes sense, and I feel very dense right now, so thank you. <laughs> it's nothing um, super offensive, which I think a lot of people and, worry about. <laughs> and we also have Akichi, or Ikichi, uh, I, I, I can't pronounce any of these names. <laughs> yeah, that's his name. Yep. Let's call him Michelle. Michelle, yeah. <laughs> as he likes to be go by, who's a boss at like a boss, quote unquote. Like we're just gonna say like yeah, a popular boss <laughs> um, at a rival school. And then you also have Yuki, who is a photographer working with and for Maya. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I want to come back to at least for a moment here the. Um, Silent protagonist element of Tetsuya, and, and I agree with you, Alana, um, about um, persona protagonists being pretty defined. Um, I feel like, at least in the two that I've played um, before this, how would you guys describe uh, Tetsuya's personality? I think, he's... yeah, he's like a troubled young teen, I think. This, uh-huh. That's how I think yeah. of him. Just like in his own head a lot, is how I think of him. And uh, not wanting to get close to people. Yeah, definitely. I mean, well, like, they try and set him up to be, again, I'll repeat myself a little bit, like, this really cool kid, but he is quite introverted, Mm -hmm. and there are some scenes, like, early on where... Like, when he's interacting with the rest of the cast or the rest of the party, he's a little bit more withdrawn. And not just because he's silent, but he generally just seems kind of away from the situation. But there's one moment, and I'm sure we'll talk about this, in the air raid shelter with uh, Maya, where they're sitting together and they're all doing, taking turns watching. And she, like, gets this toy out and he smiles at her. And it's, like, the first moment where he gets a little bit... It is so cute. Yeah, you also realise that there's something going on. I love that scene. Yeah, um, but yeah, I I really like Tatsuya, and it's not just because he is definitely a shy bisexual god or anything <laughs> like that. Like, <laughs> like the game seems to. But he is. Just, I mean, he definitely is. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. Um, I I don't know. Like, I just find him really endearing, and I think the way that the game paints it, or the characters try to paint him as this like 
bad boy, but he's actually not. It's a bit of a weakness for me. I kind of like that in a character, mm-hmm. so maybe that's just my own judgment. I think with with Tatsuya, so far I do... Uh, I think he's all, all right as far as like um, a main character and a mostly silent protagonist with a decently defined personality. Um, just on an aesthetic thing, I don't like how he looks. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he does he get a really cool a like, biker suit in, yeah. to, in Eternal Punishment. Yeah, yeah I've seen oh, yeah. that. And I'm like, it's like, yeah, it's cool. like Uma Thurman <laughs> but, and Kill Bell like, in Eternal Punishment. Yeah, but like with... Um, I feel like on a character design front, like maybe they're not the like the best designs, but I feel that um, Maya and Michelle and Yuki's designs, um, they they show off their personalities quite a bit, mm-hmm. and Tetsuya and Lisa's outfits, especially because they're in these um, they're in these school outfits, I think that their um, their accessories and and such needed to be more um, needed to be more present and more unique. For them to be able to communicate something visually because um, you don't really get much from Tatsuya or Lisa aka Ginkgo from how they look oh yeah yeah no I agree with that especially when you've got some NPCs that have like this cool as hell like 90s fashion style stuff it's so mm-hmm. it's so weird to see them stand out in that way and yeah I mean I guess Lisa <laughs> Lisa's defining trait is basically that she's a Caucasian girl, yeah, isn't it? In, that's like, what I was she's wondering. a white girl and her parents are obsessed with Japan to the point where they do not want her to speak English at all. Yeah. They, like mm-hmm. she and so she stands out with that. And it's disappointing that that is her defining trait and like moving on to Lisa a little bit, like she's probably the one I don't enjoy and I think it's because oh, really? she's she's made out to be like she comes across as really possessive with Tatsuya, and mm-hmm. it's basically, Absolutely. you know, like, she's basically the jealous girlfriend at this point, and I think she has an interesting story because there's a dungeon in particular that focuses on her, um, and, but yeah, like, I, she gets a bit better, but I'm struggling with her, and I think it's just because the game doesn't really know where to write her, rather than, like, <laughs> a, a girlfriend who you know, wants to be with Tatsuya all the time and, yeah, and she's obsessed with Kung Fu as well, which, you know, yes. many, yeah. She's like, uh, Chi and Anne, like, mesh together. She is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, like, both of those characters have more of a defined personality than she does. <laughs> I mean, like, if we're talking about her, I mean, like, her story in this half is that there's a rumor spread about her that she is part of. Uh, she be she's the mystery member of a, uh-huh. uh, a, a pop group. I guess is the right way to des- yeah, describe it. Yeah. Um, and that that's basically it. Like I, I mean, like I feel like Persona as a as a series is defined by like people finding their individuality, and like hers is like someone said that I'm like a member of a pop group and I'm not. Like I I don't know. Like with her, like I. I She's defined by that and that she wants to date Tetsuya and she has like, a little bit know. of an attitude. I like Lisa. I don't think it's fair <laughs> to say that about her. I okay, think her defining thing is her um, being outcasted because of her skin colour and her ethnicity. Yeah. But also the expectations placed upon her because of that. Like she's expected by others to speak English. She's right expected to you know have a certain attitude about her that she really doesn't she just wants to be a typical 
high school girl, but no one really lets her because of the sort of racism in a different way than what we would consider racism. The sort of like, oh, you're that skin colour, so you must have to be this way. Uh, and uh, I don't know. I think she struggles with that. I, I, I do. I don't. I do wonder why she glomps onto Tatsuya so often. Mm. And I, I think they could have explored that a bit more for sure, though. I do think so. I think with Lisa, the thing I, I kind of personally connected a bit with Lisa, mm-hmm. even though I'm still like, I'm still kind of on the fence about her character overall. Mm-hmm. But when she was talking about, um, you know, language and not really knowing English. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a diff- it's a different context and such, but I kind of personally connected with that because um, you know in a lot of situations that I've been in um, where like there's someone's asked me because of my last name um, and because and because I'm because of um, like because of my ethnicity and such people have asked me to translate something into Spanish um, or to act as an interpreter. And I'm like, I don't really speak mm-hmm. Spanish that well. And you've made this assumption. Um, and like when we're present in this in this culture where the dominant language is English mm-hmm. and I speak that well as Lisa speaks Japanese well, but there's this also other part um, that we don't really know. We don't really get to express. There is a there is a bit of sadness there. There's a missed opportunity. There's a bit of there's a bit of FOMO in some way. Um, and it's yeah. And so I kind of connected with her on um, on that level. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a really good yeah. point. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah, she does get better. Like when it starts exploring that side of her, I do yeah. think that she starts getting way more interesting it was just like for the first kind of yeah. half of the half that she is she's literally just kind of her world resolves around revolves around <laughs> tatsuya and mm-hmm. especially after this point when things start coming to head you know you really start to understand her and like her parents i i'm so frustrated with them like yeah. it's frustrating to watch them force this like well to watch her struggle and everybody put their expectations on her um mm-hmm. the way that they do and Maybe she's just trying to get out of that. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, she's I mean, really caught in a hard place. Her father expects her to be the perfect Japanese girl, and her school mm. expects her to be this superstar English blonde-haired pop idol, and she can't appease both. And I find it really funny that her way of rebelling is to be like super obsessed with China and kung fu. Yeah, and kung fu. Yeah, she peppers like in her dialogue with all these like Chinese and Cantonese yeah. like phrases, doesn't she? Yeah, she's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give none of you what I want. I'm gonna be a weaver about China. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm glad you uh, said that, Leona, because I, you know, it, it, and, and Joe as well, all three of you, really, because like, as I'm listening to her talk, I'm like, oh, you're, and maybe it's just like a, a American bias speaking. Like, I'm like, you're like a white girl who's complaining about being a white girl. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. Um, so yeah. yeah, it's an interesting way of thinking about things that maybe I hadn't before. So I'm glad you guys brought that up. Um, yeah, I, and I mean, like, I. I feel like the other three characters, at least to me, um, are maybe a little more interestingly defined. Because um, mm-hmm. I, I think that Maya, in particular, who I know is the protagonist of Eternal Punishment, and I'm really like the fact that she is the protagonist of Eternal Punishment makes me like incredibly engaged by it. And there's a character, and we haven't really talked about this yet. And I know that we haven't talked too much about the plot. Um, 
at this point, but there's a character uh, named King Leo who's a member of what? The, the Mass Circle? Is that the name? Yes, that correct? yes that's right. Um, He's basically the leader below yeah. Joker. Yeah, seems to be the leader of the Mass Circle who has a complete grudge against Maya. Um, and we aren't sure why until like close to the cut point. And even at the cut point, we're not like 100% sure. And for the record, those of you who are listening, and I probably should have said this earlier, um, we played up through the Aerospace Museum, um, yeah. which is a really fascinating dungeon. It's actually maybe the only dungeon that I didn't hate in this game. That's um, the reason <laughs> I picked it, because it's kind of like the halfway point, but it's also like a sort of big plot moment. And yeah. it's after a yeah. really interesting dungeon. So I thought that would have maybe made us hunger for more. Yeah, but I, I just like I love her personality. Like I feel like oh, yeah. she's got like this big personality that um, is like engaged with everyone and also like feels things really deeply, um, which is interesting mm-hmm. because like she is constantly accused of like being a witch and not feeling about this other person, this King Leo, who has this grudge against her, who clearly knows her because King Leo and I guess I should have said this earlier is masked like a lot of the quote-unquote mask circle which mask makes sense circle. yeah <laughs> can we talk about how awesome their masks look though uh, yes <laughs> right? please do i love the design of the mask circle that's all that's it. So cool. we can get to them when we get to them but oh my god lady scorpio yeah. yes <laughs> yeah maya's and and it's also contrasted with just how bubbly maya is um she is your she's really your most energetic person in the group her dialogue in um in coming into battle and leaving battle are just really they're just really funny and charming like it's whoop ass you know, like, time yeah it's it's whoop ass time or grab your asses and run like yeah. it's it's really she's uh she's a very um kind of uh she's a very bright and energetic character and so when there's this wedge of king leo just bearing this intense grudge and she's thinking why are you why are you so angry at me and we as the audience are like yeah why are you so angry (laughs) she's great Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and i think we'll probably learn more um well we've already started to learn a bit about that but we'll learn more and hopefully see see some more layers peeled back uh from maya yeah and i think one of the really interesting things for maya uh, about maya for me is like She's the oldest party member that you have. I think Yuki might be the same age as her, but she's in her 20s. Like, yeah. all the other characters in this game are 17 or 18, Which means I think. she's very um, old in Japanese RPGs. Yeah, <laughs> she's younger than me and she's very old folks. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, so, like, she's the oldest party member, but she might have the youngest sensibilities. Mm-hmm. Like, there, she, you know, her catchphrases, the way she talks, the way she peps people up. And, like, the first moment I noticed when King Liu turns up, I think it's at the end of uh, Kasugiyama High, um, when you're rescuing the kids there. Um, Like, King Liu turns up, and he, like, sets something on fire, and she absolutely, she falls to her knees, and she goes, Daddy, Daddy, help me! And it's like, oh my, like, you can see this trauma come out of her, and you're like, I want to give her a hug, and I'm... I'm so interested to see, like, and obviously she's got Mr. Bun Bun as well, which is like this little toy that so she made for her dad. And, oh god, that moment, that yeah, whole sequence. Oh, that that scene is amazing. Yeah, and so she's got like this really young sensibility, and it does start coming out in the second half, obviously. Yeah. But it made me really endear to her as a character to see this like group of, you know, you've got like this outsider, you've got somebody who's 
dealing with their identity and you've got Ikichi who is you know got his own kind of thing going on I love and him. then Maya's oh just like Maya's like the heart of the group isn't she and, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah absolutely yeah I'm, I love her I love her to bits Yuki is the more adult adult <laughs> than she's mum basically yeah, she's, she's, like, she's yeah. the mum and that's funny because her persona is Vesta so yes that's right so <laughs> they really thought about that yeah, yeah. I mean, it's funny because, like, I tell students all the time, and again, I, I know I'm saying, like, talking about my job, but, like, I tell students all the time, like, you, like, care about nothing attitude. Like, it's not going to play after you're 18. Like, no one likes that after you're 18. Like, it might work for you now, but, like, no matter how many times you watch the TV show House, no one actually will like you in real life. Um, and, and, like, and it's a great example here. Like, Maya is the is either the oldest one or, like, tied to the oldest or whatever. Like, but... She's the character we identify most with because she, like, she just, like, loves people and she's, like, engaged with people and she has, like, this personality that is big. And I think that, like, her secret past is, like, whatever it is. And we all we know at this point, I think, and again, I could be wrong about this, is that she in some way knew King Leo and, like, King Leo was, like, involved in, like, a house, like, a burning and, like, King Leo is maybe insane in some way. Like maybe they're siblings. I don't know. We haven't discovered that information yet at this point. But what we know about her <laughs> as an individual, thank you, Leona, <laughs> as an individual makes us like her a lot. And, and and because she's the oldest, I think that always to me like that makes this story seem more real because like uh, teenagers always want to like do like a thing, um, like and stop, mm-hmm. please, um, like just like be nice. And people will like you. And that is 100% who Maya is. Yeah. She's also pyrophobic, which she sort of gets over um, at the Aerospace Museum. And actually thinking about it, like the fact that Tatsuya's persona is fire-based and she's yeah. pyrophobic is a little bit interesting. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just keep thinking of these things on the spot. I had not thought of that, but that's super interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm, now I want to know more. <laughs> play the second half then <laughs> i'm going to don't hey hey don't tell us what i'm sorry i'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, get, I, I lose control sometimes i get so angry <laughs> what you're like you're holding you're holding this over our heads like we have to record another podcast about this oh. heck i'm not gonna um, do what you tell me to do <laughs> Speaking of not doing what you tell me to do, it's a terrible transition. Worst that ever. Good. <laughs> no, that's a good one. Michelle. <laughs> yeah. Michelle. Yes. Um yeah, I I, I I think that Michelle's story is maybe the most, at least at this point to me, like standard. Like, oh, it's like a person who's like a bully mm. who like stands over people and spreads the rumors about people, but is really like has a heart of gold. I'm like, I'm like come on a little yeah. bit, but like, you know, and we haven't talked about this sequence, like the, the way that we are introduced to Michelle or Ikichi or Akechi or I don't know, whatever. Um, <laughs> Ash Ketchum. That'll do. But that sequence where like, we're first introduced to Michelle um, and we fight, we, we fight them. It's like our, like our, like one of our first fights. Um, but, like, all of Michelle's friends are murdered by Joker, like, at the very beginning of the story. Um, right. And, I, I, and the fact that, like, Michelle is still functioning is, like, miraculous. Um, because, and again, I don't think we've talked about this yet, but, like, uh, the way that we're introduced is that they play the quote-unquote Joker game 
where they summon Joker and you're supposed to have a wish or something that you want to come true. Um, and they don't. And so Joker like takes their souls. Um, yeah. And then Michelle still functions after that, which is actually amazing. Um, and then someone takes over Michelle's role at the school. Um, and <laughs> you sort of see Michelle through that lens. But I, I think it's sort of an interesting character. Yeah, I really like Michelle. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. I think he's my little baby boy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad somebody else feels the same way as me. He's my little bratty son, and I love him for it. Uh. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I like like his sense of style and how he's wearing makeup and feminine clothes, and he's still trying to hide it from his dad. (laughs) It's like, mm, hashtag relatable. Uh, But, um, yeah... (laughs) He's, uh, yeah, he's got this uh, idea of himself that you know that he's this fashionista, superstar musician of the band Gas Chamber, which is the worst band name I've ever heard. In the context of some, yes, yes. oh, yeah. yes. oh, oh, no. oh, oh no, oh, I did not think about that either. Oh god, yeah, it's rough. <laughs> it's rough, but that's like. Peak edgy teenager, and which is yeah. it's kind of where Ikichi lives right now, you know. But he is a good-hearted person, like really, like he, you know, he, the, the, the game, game starts with like Tatsuya getting a challenge letter from Ikichi allegedly, but it ends up just being Ikichi's friends trying to lure Tatsuya to where they hang out so that they can start a band together. And it's just, like, all these sort of macho misunderstandings just create this completely different picture of how he actually is, which is actually kind of a sweet person. Yeah, he definitely wants to help. Like, even if you talk to him in the middle of dungeons, he's always, like, he puts on this, like, brave face, and then he, like, in certain places he crumbles, and other places he's, like, really honest. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I, I think he's really sweet, and... I want the game to explore him a little more. Um, I accidentally went into, because um, his dad owns a sushi restaurant, yes. and I accidentally went in there at the beginning of the game and was completely confused when the game was suddenly, like, throwing all this information. <laughs> Within an hour of the first, like, the first hour of the game, it's suddenly like, wait, wait, Akichi's dad is a sushi chef and this and that and, yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, his dad wants him to take over the sushi restaurant and yeah. he doesn't want to. He w- And his dad doesn't approve of him being this, like, J-rock, yeah. J-performer. I was like, yeah. He's sweet. And the... I, I, I do like his character, but I don't like the fact that he's voiced by Troy Baker. Oh, who, right. Not, yeah. not, and it's not to say that actually, Troy... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and not to say that Troy Baker is, like, a bad voice actor, because, yeah, like, I wouldn't say that. But especially after having come from Persona 4, so this yeah. is, you know, this is a bit of a, mm-hmm. a more uh, different experience having just played that so recently. But having Troy Baker just played uh, Kanji in that game and then him playing Akechi who is a you know a different character but they do share some similarities and they're um it's it's just a weird sort of dissonance and it's like yeah I've been in this universe and you've been voicing a different character and now you're voicing this character (laughs) um like three years after the fact because I don't think the original had voice acting it, at all it, and then it, it did 
uh, in the same sort of way that it has it right now, where it's just like a battle line or two. Yeah. Oh, okay, and then for the PSP version, they got all new, uh, an all new voice cast. Then. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, and we haven't even talked about my favorite my favorite character yet. I mean, who's Yuki? <laughs> who's a delight? Um, in my opinion, like I, 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 like Maya's great. Like both of the adult characters are really the ones who, who, who function. I think at the highest level here, and I just like her sort of like yeah. like there's a little bit of an edge to Yuki. Um, and a little bit of like a, I don't know, like a approaching things as reality, which makes sense given that someone just told me that she's a playable character in Persona One. Is that right? Yeah, she is. Yeah, isn't she? Yeah, isn't she a delinquent? Like she she gets into trouble quite a lot, especially between like Persona One and Two. Like I that I think this is revealed fairly early on. Um, Tatsuya's homeroom teacher um taught at her school from Persona Mm -hmm. One. And she, the Yuki, looks up to that teacher, and yeah. she sees her really early on, and like thanks her and speaks to her and things like that. But like that teacher is the one who basically got her out of a life of crime and said, right, why don't you do something else with you know your mm-hmm. life? Essentially, um, yeah, Yuki's great. She has again, she's got that edge, and she's yeah. like a bobbly but edgy. She's like a mix between Maya and Ulala, who you also meet in the first <laughs> half of the game, which is Maya's roommate, the one who's doing the boxing at yeah. Gold. Um, she's great. Yeah, she's so cool. Oh, Lala. Joe, do you have any additional thoughts on Yuki? Uh, I really, I really like her, her design. I mean, it feels, it feels so much like that, um, that sort of dwindling grunge fashion of the late nineties. <laughs> and I mean, it's just. It's I, I'm I love I love that look and I wish it would come back more, and um she she does feel like the most grown up character and she is kind of the most sage, in a way yeah. and it's yeah. it's interesting knowing the little I do about her character in Persona One, for her to be this sort of sage character and like okay here's here's your persona and here's. Uh, what happens i woke to this quite a while ago so i do have some more experience with this mm-hmm. and um i have all these connections already so what's fascinating is like so far we have talked about like all the things i feel like for the most part that we love about this game but like i am not all that high on this game so far um and mm-hmm. i think it's because of the two <laughs> things we haven't talked about yet which is most of the game honestly which is dungeon crawling and combat um, because there's like I feel like eighty percent of this game is dungeon crawling and combat. Hard to agree. Um, these dungeons are frequently not great. I have it set on the lowest difficulty setting, um, just because it is more enjoyable to breeze through this game than it is, in my opinion, to engage with its combat. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> um, because it's just it's very. Its combat is slow and kind of grindy, and there's the stuff with the demon contact, and the random encounter rate is kind of off the chain until you get a stoma. <laughs> yeah. I can't disagree with you. I can't. No. I can't defend it. I can't. I want to, but I can't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, I think it's probably better than Persona One, which is like first-person oh, yeah. oh, dungeon crawling, I which promise. is like maybe my maybe like my worst nightmare. I would say. Um, <laughs> I don't love the dungeons either, and. I thought this was kind of a me problem because I'm weird and I look at maps exclusively when I go through dungeons Mm -hmm. and maps and things like that. 
I hate the maps in this game. They move so fast. Like, does, like yes. it doesn't make sense in my brain. I mean, even like trying to turn yes. your character, like when you're using the R and L button, right. which is the only way you can change perspectives. Like they, it, it moves so freaking fast that like, <laughs> like I'm like, where am I again? Am I moving the right way? Like, I know there's a treasure chest over there. I keep yeah. moving the wrong way over and over again. They're not great at all. It doesn't help that there's not really any variety. It's just like one building, two building, three building, all with lots of stairs in them. And oh, they'll yeah. go in different directions. And like the air raid shelter, which we have mentioned oh. for positive reasons in story wise, not so much as a dungeon. Like it's short, but I remember going around it and there's like lots of poison pools everywhere. Yeah. And that. I didn't yeah. have any antidotes on me. I had a persona that had poisma on me, thank God. Um, mm-hmm. But. I think you said the Aerospace Museum is the only one that's good, and that's because it gives you something extra to do. Mm-hmm. Like, you've got a timer, and you have to save all these kids who are on mm-hmm. a school trip because the Aerospace Museum is burning down, and that adds some stakes to it. But all the other ones... I found it really weird to start off with that, like, NPCs inhabited the dungeons, like, nothing was going on. Right, and... there's not demons yeah. everywhere. Yeah, like, demons walking yeah. around, you walking around a high school, like, hey, what's up, dude? Oh, look, there's, yeah. like, literally, like, a walking demon over there. You cool? Oh, look, there's yeah. Jack Frost. I'm, I'm cool. <laughs> they, try, yeah. they try and paint it like they're assassins being sent after us in particular, which yes. I think is their way of, like, getting around that, but it doesn't work. No, it doesn't work at all, no. The dungeons themselves on, like, so many levels are just not working for me. Mm -hmm. And, like, also on an aesthetic level, the, you know, the the city that you look over and the characters and the NPCs, a lot of them artistically feel quite well-defined and they're um, rather interesting. But the dungeon designs are frequently really bland and... It's a Persona game, so music, right, should be great. I am personally, like, switching between... It allows you to switch between the original soundtrack and the newer soundtrack, which was supervised by, now, Persona with um, Shoji Meguro. Um, I don't like either of them. I actually like the music a lot here, and in particular, I like uh, the music that Alana picked for the last episode of retro the boss battle music oh it is rocking like i i I feel like i love it so much and and we haven't talked too much about this but i feel like um this game in a lot of ways is like atmospheric um and you guys talked about this a lot on the Mm. music episode but i I agree this game is atmospheric in a way that like other persona games are not um and it's because i think of the music uh honestly like it feels dark it feels menacing it feels like something that I should be afraid of. Um, and I think that the music does a great job of that personally. And I'm sorry you don't like it, Joe. I wasn't trying to cut you off if I did. But um... <laughs> part of it is that I am really not digging the battle theme. The. You hear it I... enough in this game, that's for sure. <laughs> you do. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think it's probably. My, my views on the music are probably being um, overrepresented. By just the battle themes because of how high the random encounter rate is mm. and the fact that I don't like it very much. It's like with um when when a battle theme is when a battle theme isn't hitting you right, it can be very tiresome. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like with it's like with, you know, Chrono Cross or something where literally the only song I don't like Gale. in that in that Gale <laughs> Gale is the only song on that entire soundtrack. I've listened to that soundtrack a lot. It is the only song I don't like on there. And it's, of course, the one you hear the most. Yeah. 
Well, we all know the best song in Persona 2 is the shopping theme. <laughs> yes! <laughs> They're all, like, the cheesiest 90s, like, crooning <laughs> old men music, and I love them all. They're great, yeah. But also, Yukino has the best theme in the game. Like, for serious, like, Yukino has the best. Theme. I mean, I agree. Ah! I like Maya's theme. Oh yeah, Maya's theme as well. <laughs> Maya's theme's great, and it has so many variations as well between the two games mm-hmm. that it's... Again, I think I'll pull this from the music episode from last week. Like, Maya's theme is almost as key as the R&B song that they use in Eternal Punishment. Like, it's a definite thread between those two games. Right. It represents her at different stages between the two games as well, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. I actually just like came to me and like I did have I really wanted to get this point across when I was like thinking about recording this today I was like no I have to say this on the podcast and it's to do with music I'm so glad there's it's not just Araya the soul that plays in the velvet room like it does in three yes! four and five mm-hmm. I love that song but I feel like most of my life is hearing that song now <laughs> and, I'm, and I when, in Smash now <laughs> when, when Claire de Lune plays I'm like oh thank god I know right <laughs> <laughs> and also the music for the the music for the opening cinematic is pretty cool as well i mean i mean the, the the opening cinematic in general of like as soon as i booted it up i was oh i was ready was that your like, favorite part just, of the game so far joe <laughs> i mean i mean kind of i was i was really it's, it's like good. I, it's it's a really good opening cinematic you're not wrong i don't disagree i like other things about the game just that one's really good <laughs> <laughs> the thing we haven't talked about too much yet one of the things that i think makes the dungeon such a such a slog is that the combat is not super fun um, so, you know, those of you who haven't played, and if you haven't played, go play it and don't listen to this podcast, which I say an hour into recording, um, <laughs> um, it is the combat because like, you know, the combat is slow. Um, like you have to do so much confirmation, even when you're, uh, doing demon negotiation, like I go in and I pick, I'm like, and then it says like, are you sure you want to pick this person to negotiate with a demon? And I said, yes, I already picked them. I am a hundred percent sure that I want to pick them. Um, and like when you're having the conversations with the demons, they take a while, but they're like, they're well localized and we haven't talked too much about the localization of this game, but like the localization is pretty strong here. Um, Mm -hmm. like it feels modern, um, in terms of the strength of it, but like the rest of the combat besides contacting demons and gathering personas. And that's part of it. Like when you contact a demon, you can talk to them and you can, and they'll hand you cards sometimes. And there's also like a way that you can quote unquote make them happy during the demon negotiation and then the next time you talk to them they'll give you not only like their 30 demon cards but they'll also give you 24 quote unquote free cards that you can Mm -hmm. turn into whatever you want which for the record leona told me about early in this game (laughs) and i abused that so hard like i like i I just like negotiate with the exact same demon every single time yeah um and i just like do it over and over and over again and i get like 400 free cards by the end of the dungeon and i'm like yes my favorite my favorite demons to abuse are like the gloomy demons because (laughs) because like you can just be i know that ikichi and yuki will always work on those gloomy wise demons and that you can always like get away with whatever, and then they just give you like forty free cards, and I'm like, yes, yes. give me the free cards, free cards. Yeah. 
Yeah, when you're the right level, you can see mm-hmm. like their character traits on the persona, mm-hmm. and that is supposed to give you a hint on what <laughs> right. like, like contact. What does that you do. mean? Sometimes it varies. <laughs> like sometimes I'm good, sometimes I'm not. Like I I I really like contacting demons uh-huh. as a bit of a sadist because I just love all the stupid responses that you get from some of them. Like, oh, what do you think of video games? I don't like them. You're in one, you idiot! And then it's like, you made them angry. It's like, okay, that's great. I just like annoying all the demons all the time. And I like mm-hmm. that they all, like, dependent on their arcana, they all have a different personality, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's what it's based around. Um, but yeah, to go to the combat a little bit, it's really slow. I do appreciate you have a party of five very early on. Mm-hmm. That was really good. Mm-hmm. But I think what really bugs me about it, and I suppose we'll go on to fusion spells a little bit, which you really, really need to get fast because yeah. they are so overpowered. Yeah. Like, I mean, knowing knowing how to get them is annoying because you've basically part, got yeah. to like toy around with formation. It's like you can have so many persona on you, and mm-hmm. you can, you know, if that persona you have got equipped doesn't have it, you've got to go in and go to fight, you've got to move the order of the characters, then you've got to go in and change the persona in a separate menu, and you can't do all of this on, like, the starting menu. Um, And it's like, why? Why are you making me click so many buttons? Like, (laughs) the UI of Persona 2 is not great. And I don't mind the combat, because once you tend to get, like, a really good fusion spell, you can just kind of auto it off, stick it on the side, and, you know... Unless it reflects and then kills you. Which has happened to me a few times. Mm, yeah, <laughs> me too. When when Tatsuya is negotiating, um, why why does he make uh, like machinery noises? He's like uh, Tatsuya just impersonated <laughs> what like a incredible. jackhammer and so. I I mean I think it's hilarious, but it's you know all these other characters are like, hey, cheer up. Uh, I'm gonna consult with you, or Michelle is like, I'm the best, I'm rock star, yeah, whatever. And then Tussie is just like, it makes me love him more. Yeah. <laughs> right, well, if you could do it, you would do it, right? So Yeah, definitely. <laughs> if you could just have a conversation with somebody I don't like, like, just. Everyone can unlock it. Once you become a disaster bisexual like Tatsuya, you just get you just get like the best okay. repertoire of heavy machinery noises. Okay. You're like, oh, I've unlocked it. Okay, counterpoint. I am a disaster bisexual. I can't do that. You're not, you're not a high level so you you've bisexual. already unlocked it. You just haven't tried it yet. Actually, to be fair, I can make horn noises. So that's I guess we're somewhere. Oh well, I'll do it. I need to hear it. Thank you. You can wait until the next episode of Rhythm yeah. <laughs> Ooh, that's called a teaser. <laughs> Alright, if we're talking about disaster bisexuals, <laughs> we've probably roughly wrapped up the episode. <laughs> we can talk about some of our favorite personas next time. So, any any final thoughts uh, in terms of like things that you're looking forward to for part two, or those of you who have played it before, oh. which is basically Alana oh. and definitely Leona, things we should look forward yeah. to? Yeah, get ready for um, the last battalion. I'll just say that much. I mean, they, I, I've heard them mentioned at this point, and I'm very curious. Yeah, and uh, that crazy woman. What's her name? Akumara. Uh, yeah. Yeah, get ready for her. She's a hoot. She is a hoot. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, uh, thank you all of you for talking with me about this incredibly weird game. <laughs> I, I cannot tell you. Uh, I, I mean, like, I have never. 
I don't think ever played a game that I both enjoyed and didn't enjoy, enjoy as much as I feel about mm-hmm. this game. I don't know how to feel about it. So I'm looking forward to part two because I want to resolve my feelings. In terms of what's coming up, um, so we will be talking more Persona 2 Innocent Sin next week. Um, but next month we're talking about, in a game that I only played a couple of years ago, but I dig a lot, and I think Leona and Alana are both on it, is Fantasy Star oh 4. That classic yeah. 16-bit RPG, which I think you will not be disappointed by. Though I will tell you, look up the names of spells because they make no sense in this game. <laughs> You're, you're the third person to tell me this. Oh my so goodness. <laughs> I have luckily already played this game several times, so uh, I'll be fine. It, it's really good. If I hadn't played it like pretty recently, I'd probably hop on the episode too. Um, and also <laughs> next month, we're going to be doing an episode on the best year for RPGs. So uh, I have some opinions about this, but the best year of releases for RPGs, we'll be basing it on Japanese release dates. It's actually based on a, a feature that we'll be running next month on uh, the best RPG and runner-up for every year since 1986, uh, you know, based on the uh, release of Dragon Quest One. So I'm looking forward to that episode, and we haven't recorded it yet, but I think it'll be fun. And then I'm pretty sure you came up with the name for this, Alana, if I'm not mistaken. Um, we're going to be recording an episode <laughs> on RPG Traders. I can't vouch for the name. It was uh, Mike Solosi who did that. So, yeah, it wasn't Okay. Me. <laughs> well, it'll be about RPG traders. Uh, top 10, not really. Uh, RPG traders of all time in all anime ever. Um, it, don't worry. It, it'll be a good time. Um, so, we love feedback. If you want to uh, let us know what you think of the episode, you can email us at retro at rpgfan.com. You can also comment on our message boards, which we have again, uh, which are working on our new site. Um, you can visit our Facebook page, where we'll have a post for that. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, Discord, which Leona is the overlord of. Hi. <laughs> and we also have a Twitch stream basically every day. Uh, we also have three other podcasts, and I'm so excited to talk about this. Uh, Random Encounter, which is about random things, whatever our hosts and guests are playing. Phoenix Edge, which is mostly about current events. And also, oh, I'm so excited, Rhythm Encounter is back. Uh, we already have posted Yay! the uh, Yasunori Mitsuda episode, which I was supposed to be on, but I wasn't. And I'm so excited, and it's a great episode. Uh, last week's episode of this about Persona Music also is sort of a lot like a rhythm episode so go check that out it's such a unique podcast uh no one else is doing it it's it's amazing go check it out um you can also review so much fun yeah you can also review us or our other podcasts on itunes google play whatever podcast listening venue you choose we love feedback um and uh, let's talk about how you can get in touch with us we'll start with you alana Oh uh, yeah, so you can reach me on Twitter. That's probably the best way to find me. I am at Alana Hagues on there. Uh, I am on RPG Fans Discord as well. I tend to hang out in the podcast channel. I am Alana on there. Uh, or if you want to email me directly, my email address is alanah at rpgfan.com. And Leona? Uh, you can find me at Starmongus on Twitter. And I also stream on Twitch at Starmongus RPG Fan. And Joe? You can find me on uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Discord as I've changed. I've changed it to at Eva Least instead of Least because I didn't want to think I was the least. Um, <laughs> and you find you can find me on there as well as just on RPG Fans uh, Facebook and Twitter generally. 
All right. And you can find me by emailing me at ZachW at RPGFan.com. And you can also find me on Discord at ZachW. Uh, again, thanks so much for talking about this game with me. It's weird. It's hard. It's not fun sometimes. But you know what is fun? Chatting with the three of you. It's always a delight. Aww. Aww. Cute. <laughs> Roll the credits. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, listeners. Good night and good luck.